0: This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press. Now, here's your host, Maria Desmondi. Fantastic. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, as you are joining us, we are going to begin with today's panel. We thank you for joining us as we today talk about family and traditions and picture books. So we're gonna go round robin and have our speakers go ahead and introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've written. So let's go ahead and begin with Vanessa.
1: Hi, um, so I'm Vanessa Garcia, and I just wrote a book. I think it's only, it's 18 days old, Um, and it's, it's called What the Bread Says, inside there. Sorry, this is my book, so it has pictures of my family inside, actually. And it's about um, how my grandfather taught me to bake bread while sharing the family story. And we are Cuban-American, but he was actually born in Spain and has a very, very rich history, as do we all. So that's that's a little bit about me in my book. Fantastic. Who's going next? I can go. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So I'm Sureshita Segal. Uh, for short, I'm Sue. And I am an educator, I grew up in India and um, taught in school over there after I graduated. And then I moved to the United States and I taught in school in the United States and then in the college and then in the university. And while I was in the university, I started an education foundation, which is still going on. It brings campuses and communities together and teaches uh, social responsibility to college students and high schoolers. And now I'm also writing children's books. And uh, I have, the first book was A Bucket of Blessings, which became a New York Times bestseller, Blessings. Um, And there are many others like Wheels on the Tuk-Tuk and Thread of Love. Uh, P for Papa Dams, there's a whole list of it that you can check, Uh, Festival of Colors and Diwali, of course, recently, and Mother Goose goes to India, Uh, and I have two more coming out, so.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you, Sue. Wonderful. And The Wheels on the Tuk Tuk was one that we, my children and I actually read,
2: Oh, really? Yeah. I
0: really, really enjoyed that book because uh, I spent some time in Thailand and we wrote tuk tuks uh-huh. in Thailand too. So okay. that was, that was okay. fun to share
3: that. And yeah. Elima, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Aloha, everyone. Uh-huh. Um, I, my name is Elima Loomis and I now live in Vancouver, Canada, but I was born and spent most of my life in Hawaii. And so I'm here today to talk about my book, Ohana Means Family. This book is about um, tarot farming and a food called poi, which is very traditional in Hawaii. Um, and kind of gets into the, the story of that. A little background about me. Um, I actually started as a journalist and science writer. So one of my other books is actually more on the science side of things about solar eclipses. Hmm. And then a few years ago, I got into writing children's books and that's um, how I came to write Ohana Means Family.
0: Fantastic. Well, we are all here, you are all invited here as panelists because your books have common themes. They talk about tradition, they talk about family. And we're here, we're going into the November season when we talk a lot about thankfulness and the importance of gratitude and family. Let's talk a little bit about tradition. Um, so, Sue, I'm going to turn it over to you. Your books, uh, we have, Diwali is coming up on, I believe, Sunday or Monday, this, this upcoming
2: Monday. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so tell us um, a little bit about the Festival of Colors and the tradition that is talked about in that
2: story. In Festival of Colors? Yes. Okay, So yes, uh, the Festival of Colors and Diwali, both of them are about celebration of life. Uh, Festival of Colors uh, usually is uh, celebrated in spring uh, when the beautiful flowers are coming out and there's a lot of color in nature. And so it's really thinking about all that beauty that is outside is actually reflected within you. Um, and the festival of, uh, I mean, um, uh, Diwali, of course, also is a celebration and we can talk about that later, but that's basically the two of them, the common th- commonality is the celebration uh, in nature and inside.
0: And um, I will go ahead and pin myself because we, we do have um, your book on our, our bookshelf and, The festival of color my children just loved the illustrations Mm -hmm. and I I was not aware that this was a spring celebration but just I mean if you're looking at it you can see all the flowers and Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about how they take the flowers they dry the flowers will you tell us about that tradition
2: yes well this is something that happened uh it's it's becoming more modernized now. There was a time in between that they just made uh, not environmentally friendly uh, colors, uh, but this is when you actually children go out and uh, pick the petals, uh, I mean, get the flowers and then get the petals and then uh, wet them. They, they, then they are dried and then they press the colors. And it's just the whole activity is around uh, just thinking about how water is important to the flowers and the trees and the plants, and then how it can go go to, you know um, get you can use the colors to basically touch someone usually you wouldn't touch and, and or throw the color on people. And so it's more of a uh, everybody's similar, no color is different. All colors are beautiful. So it's really recognizing that value. Uh, and the, like the, the picture that you're showing um, there are all kinds of people poor people old people young people you know there are elephants there are monkeys there are dogs and all everybody's there to celebrate so it's just a lot of fun and I remember uh, us I, I had a dog and the dog would just be so happy to get into the tub of water with color in it. I mean, and he would then run around everywhere and my mother would go crazy. But I was going to say, who's washing that dog? (laughs) (laughs) But it was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you, Sue.
0: Alima, can you go into detail about your inspiration for writing Ohana Means Family? You spent a lot of time in Hawaii.
3: Yeah, um, so I was still living in Hawaii when I started thinking about this book, and I actually thought about it for a long time before figuring out how I wanted to tell this story. But um, if you've ever been to Hawaii or gone to a a luau as a tourist, you might have had a chance to taste poi, which is a very traditional Hawaiian food. And um, when I was still living in Hawaii, I started thinking about wanting to write a book for children about poi because it's so traditional, such an important part of Hawaii's culture, but I hadn't seen other um, books touch on this or talk about it at all. A lot of books about Hawaii tended to stay with more of the, the touristy types of themes, and um, so, you know, I thought about it for a long time, how I wanted to write about it, and and finally, the themes that it made me think about was how food connects us so much um, to the earth, to the elements. And um, Sue, it, it's interesting that you were t- talking about the importance of water and how mm-hmm. th- picking these flowers makes you think about the importance of water. Mm-hmm. Um, in Hawaii, the kalo plant, which is mm-hmm. the corm that poi is made yeah. from, it actually grows underwater. So it grows in like a submerged paddy, mm-hmm. like um I guess like rice would, although it's not a grain. Um, so you know, water is very important for the growth of this incredibly important traditional plant, and it's also important for making poi. So can we, that-
0: can, can we pause real quick? Is there an illustration from your book that you can share? Thank you. Sure. I will tell you. We still. I was trying to get your book, and it didn't arrive on time. So please do. Please do. i fine
3: let me find one that shows a little bit about how it's growing. And I have to give a shout out mm. to Kennard Pak, who did the beautiful illustrations for this book. Um, but this shows a little bit about how the poi is, how the kalo is grown in water. It has a beautiful green heart-shaped leaf, which is also um, an important food uh, in Hawaii. Mm. And it's um, it's, I guess the Botanical term is, it's actually not the root of the plant, but it's called the corm, which is like a large kind of potato shaped um, starchy part um, that grows underwater and it's um, harvested in mud. So, it you know, when you walk in a hollow field, it's very silty and muddy under your feet, um, very tactile experience. And so, yeah, so that started me thinking about how, you know, whatever your culture, wherever you're coming from, food is something that really connects you to the Mm -hmm. land, to nature, to water, to the sun. Um, And then when you eat it and prepare it, it connects us to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, those were the themes that, you know, really I wanted to write about in this book talking about poi.
0: It's beautiful, and I did not plan it this way, but it just lends itself to talking to Vanessa because Vanessa's <laughs> book isn't talking about where bread comes from, but it's talking about the preparation with family, like you led into, Alima. So, Vanessa, tell us about your story and the tradition behind it.
1: Yes. So, as you said, my my grandfather actually taught me to bake bread when I was a little girl. And the first time we did it, I thought, oh my God, this is just a lot of waiting because you have to wait for the dough to rise and it has to set and then it bakes and there's a lot of waiting. But what ended up happening was that my grandfather started to tell me his story, uh, which was our story, our family story, which was an incredible story that took us straight to our roots Um, and talking about how that story swam around the kitchen and made itself into the dough and into the bread. And then when we all shared it, we were sharing the story. But my grandfather was born in in Spain when the Civil War hit in in the 1930s. He had to escape from from Franco. And so he crossed the Pyrenees Mountains on foot. Uh, He climbed over the mountains with his brother. He was 13, his brother was 14. He gets to France and uh, he gets put into foster care because his parents are obviously left behind, not around anymore. Um, and, and he's distant from them. And then World War Two hits. And in the book, you know, I explain to kids, you know, can you imagine a time when the whole world was at war and he had already escaped one war? He gets into another war um, and he doesn't want to. Um, Well, he doesn't want to die. He wants to uh, be free and live. So he gets on a boat with a lot of uh, Jewish kids who are running away from from Europe at the time. He gets to Ellis Island in New York City. And then he says, if I tell them I'm Spanish, they're going to send me back to Spain. So he made up that he was Cuban and they put him in a boat and send him to to Cuba where he created a whole life and where he eventually became um, the head of a baker's union. So he ran, he was, he He worked with a lot of bakers. And so he got very invested in that. Um, and it was very much a part of his life. He also studied architecture and then Fidel Castro came, which was another dictator and he had to run again. Uh, so the book is really about how we settle down into this kitchen in Miami and tell these stories. And there's a blessing in telling those stories mm-hmm. in this place of calm and that it it, it moves through us. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the inspiration. I was looking um, at pictures and I found this picture. I don't know if you can see it, but essentially this is another tradition we have close to this time of year, mostly on something called Noche Buena, which is Christmas, Christmas Eve. And we do a pig roast mm-hmm. um, and it's inside something called the cajachina, which is a Chinese box. So there's all this conglomeration of cultures that are mixing. But I, what I love about this is that early, early on, when my family was immigrants, it says Cuba, USA, right away. It was mixing right above that pig roast box, which I think is so beautiful. Um, so it's always been this this wonderful place of union.
0: And, you know, we haven't talked about this, Vanessa, but your, your book really has the underlying theme of resilience too. Yes. Your grandfather didn't give up, he just continued on. And he taught his family that you just keep moving. You keep moving yep. on and you get up, you get knocked down, you get back up again. And That's right. uh, something that I have to say was really beautiful. Um, when Vanessa signed to um, have her book published with Cardinal Rule Press, her grandfather was still alive. And so she was able to share that his story was going to live on. And he since then passed. Um, But we're so happy that his story is in the world now.
1: Absolutely. He was 98 years old and I got to tell him, whispered it into his ears and he knows. And my grandmother, who this is also dedicated to, looks at the book every day. So that's also a blessing.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story, Vanessa. The next question I have, and I see teachers out there, so please know that we have the chat open. If you or your students have any questions, you can put that in the chat when we get to the Q&A session and um, we can ask our authors that, any questions you have. We wanna talk a little bit about inspiration. Um, And I want to go back to Sue, because um, we didn't get a chance to talk about It's Diwali, and it is featured behind you in a beautiful illustration. Tell us a little bit about your inspiration to write that story.
2: Well, first I want to say, uh, and Vanessa just mentioned something that reminded me of my mother, who actually inspired me to one day write children's books ah. because she uh, she was also an educator and she studied abroad and she always felt like she had to be, needed to be the ambassador of um, representing Indian culture in a true sense, true spirit, uh, full of love, full of giving. And so in that light, um, the uh, festival of, um, uh, the Diwali is uh, is a book which actually celebrates the light uh, inside you, uh, and the word Diwali is uh, the, has a has a word Diya, the lamp which is lit at uh, twilight, uh, and that the word Diya itself means to give. Uh, So, uh, it's about giving to other people, and Indian culture is very much about that in terms of spirit. What can I do for you? How can I do something that will make a difference to your life? And uh, also, um, very much uh, about just having everybody come before yourself so uh whether you eat whether whatever it is so diwali just is a very nice uh, it is about forgiveness it's about beauty um and also uh it's uh, i don't need to get into the story behind it that you usually hear about the king who was banished and then came back and the lights came out and so forth but this i i arts um uh, the way we would like, like my, my uh, son and I, who ride together, uh, really celebrate Diwali every year. And it is really very nice in terms of uh, joy of coming together, lots of um, sweet uh, dishes uh, that's and not good for you, but they are just <laughs> so many of them. Uh, and the decoration, uh, besides the diya, there is the rangoli and the mendi. Uh, decoration on your hand uh, with henna, um, uh, Mendy, and uh, the rangoli, where, which usually uh, originally, it was uh, the white, um, the the flower, the wheat flower that was colored, uh, and now you can find different types of colors, but you make a pattern and then you come together and, um, you know, you decorate the rangoli, and that is, again, uh, decoration to welcome people or welcome you to come to your place, to your house, uh, and so the decoration is really for you, and and you have the joy of decorating. It's like you know when you give, the first person who receives is you because you get the joy of giving, that's and so that's true. what you know. That's the spirit of Indian, you know, culture. That so. is so
0: true. I love that, Sue. And, you know, I was a first and second grade teacher for many years. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I taught in a um, community that had a lot of Indian American families and they would invite me into their home and I always went, and they would cook meals hmm. for me, and they gifted me saris, yes. and they made me feel like a queen. Yes. And so, when you're talking about yeah. the culture behind it, I I was the recipient of that that kindness, and yeah. um, I will never
2: forget that. Thank you for but sharing. But, but you know, but, but you know what? The energy that you give—that's what comes back. So mm-hmm. the, you must be very special for them. Aww for so the invitation and, you know, receiving the others, on the other side. Well, thank you.
0: Thank you very much. This is, a, it's just such an important topic, talking about traditions, talking about family. And, you know, I do want to just note that um, I know every family looks different. And for those students who are listening, if your family may look different, you may find that you participate in a lot of traditions with friends that feel like family. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about family here today, I just want to remind children that that can also be friends that feel like family. If you do not have a family life, that spends a lot of time in tradition. And oftentimes, those friends that feel like family are right there in your classroom. You're spending a lot of time with your teacher. You're spending a lot of time with your students. And so you are uh, technically a classroom family. Alima, we're going to go back to you, and I want to hear what is part of your writing process that you would like to share with students, especially the fact that you've written nonfiction and fiction. What is part of the process for you for writing?
3: Oh, sorry. You muted yourself for the last few words there. Oh, tell me about your process for writing. Got it. Yeah, um, that's a great question. My process is different when I'm writing nonfiction or fiction or something creative like Ohana means family. And I got to say, when I'm writing something creative like Ohana means family, um, a big part of my process is just sitting on the couch and thinking about it. (laughs) So I spend a lot of time kind of just going over it in my mind. And thinking about how I want to tell the story Um, and I sometimes write many first drafts that don't ever become real Um, and then for me after a lot of time thinking about it um, eventually it'll something will just click into place Mm -hmm. and for Ohana Means Family one Mm -hmm. of the things that I struggled with was how to structure the story and what um, you know, whether this would just be a, a story about one family growing kalo or for a while I was going to do a twist on the little red hen story and, and make that about um, a, <laughs> a little red hen growing, making poi instead of making bread and nothing quite felt right. And then I was reading one day and I was reading uh, the poem, The House That Jack Built, which is a building poem and that's when it clicked into place for me and i knew i wanted to write a story that was structured around that poem and then after that i it came together pretty quickly i think i wrote it in a day or two after i had that um, made that decision
0: wonderful and for those classroom teachers tuning in and students listening i think it's important to remember the reason your teachers have you make a list of ideas so that you can put a pause on some things an idea might not feel quite ready yet um like we just heard and you might have to put a pause on it and write something else um vanessa or sue would you like to share part of your process with our listeners
1: sure i i I write every day um definitely every day but i write different things so a lot of times um people, you know, write in one medium or one form and I write for TV and I've written for Sesame Street you and shows that you might know, know but um, I also write kids books and <laughs> uh, adults TV. So it's, it ranges, but something very, very similar to what Lima was saying was that even today, I've been thinking about the story and actually drafting a story for for a couple of, of weeks. And something that I do is I make a music playlist around the what I feel the story is doing that I might not have words for yet. Mm. And I, I listen to that over and over and over again. So I'll listen to it in the car or while I'm running or while I'm on a bike and I just keep listening and it does something because mm-hmm. there's something about the music connecting to what I want to communicate that then does something in my mind after thinking through it that does that a very similar thing makes a click at some point so today I was in my car and like four things clicked when I was listening to one of the Mm -hmm. songs Wow! So I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is—I've never heard
0: that before, and yeah. <clears throat> I just love that idea. And you know, I—we once, um, our family was once very sad when we lost a family member, and someone had suggested to make a playlist of songs that you know. Um, kind of mimic that sadness. And so we did, we made a playlist that had mimicked that sadness. And I, that is such a great idea to to match that with the energy of what you're writing.
3: I think that's wonderful, the energy.
0: Wow, very cool.
3: As soon as we get off this call, Vanessa, I'm gonna go make a playlist for the book I'm working on right now. (laughs) And Maria, I wanted to bounce off something you said a minute ago about making a list of ideas and I wanted to share with everyone my book of ideas <gasps> that I've been working on. And I, I want to let everybody know. know that even though I have pages and pages of ideas in here, um, almost none of them are actually going to be books. <laughs> Most of them are just okay. ideas that I'm brainstorming that are never going to be written. But it is really an important part of my process, like you said to always write down my ideas and then I'll come back to those later.
0: Wonderful, oh, I bet teachers are hooting and hollering for you sharing that one.
2: (laughs) I just wanted to comment on the fact that uh, in terms of uh, um, writing the ideas and then music, all our books have a video that comes with it. So Mm -hmm. it's online, everybody can check it out. And to that, uh, I would say that I also believe that uh, it's one for us, it works well if you can write something that is the the nursery rhyme that everybody is familiar with uh, and use that as a basis. So, similarity to bring the similarities between cultures. So it's like uh, you know, views on the TikTok is based on you know views on the bus go round and round. Same same thing, the thread of love, very jaka is Like so, it's the same thing. Um, so that's very important. And coming back to actually um, the process, uh, uh, I get up very early in the morning and I do my you know reading and research, but writing actually in the morning, and then I go for a swim. And when I'm swimming, it's not, I mean, I used to get bored at the pool, and now I just think about ideas, and it just before I know, the swim is over, the time is over, but it's just nice, and um, then we have tea in the afternoon, and so uh, my Kabir and I, the family, actually, we get together for tea, and uh, very often, uh, the ideas float at that time, and we're talking about you know we should be this and that and it's a very very fun time uh tea time and then then next day back to writing and research so that's the process that uh, that i use in in writing yeah. and you find and I- a
0: lot of you you mentioned swimming um we've heard yes. authors talk about walking and we heard alima yes. talk about sitting sitting and just yes. listening and thinking Absolutely and Vanessa driving and listening to music. So I think it's important for the writers listening to really find what works for you. What works for someone might not work for you. So really finding that space to let the ideas come to you and um, having a notebook to write them down so that you don't forget and you can go back and um, kind of grow those ideas. We do have a listener tuning in from the pumpkin patch and um, loving the playlist idea. And we are going into the Q&A portion of our program, and we have a question. What was, surpri- what was a surprising thing you learned in creating your books? And this is open to anyone who would like to answer. Something surprising that you learned in creating your books.
2: How they get edited. When you write and you send, uh, the, you learn a lot from how the editors view that, what you send. And it's um, it's very nice. I mean, it's very very. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It could be sometimes not fun because you know something changed that you didn't want to change. But most <laughs> of the time, it is really a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's good love to the know. Ed- love the editors. We have some great ones.
1: <clears throat> I always um, I always loved books that I could go back to, and that. I discovered something new about them every time that I would go to them, and that happens a lot with picture books, so I knew that I wanted to write a picture book, but I didn't want to force myself to say, I want this to be so layered, and I want people to keep coming back to it, so what I discovered was that even just telling the story itself, because it was a story I heard when I was three years old and I heard it differently at 12 years old, and I heard it again when I was 22 years old, that even in that, that was all already inside me, and the the layers sort of started to appear, you work them out, but that I sort of discovered from the other side how to make those books that you can keep coming back to over and over and over again, and that was wonderful. Um, Yeah, we had
2: actually, we had a CEO of a very large uh, fortune 500 companies who saw one of our books and said, wow, this is "There's a lot leaders can learn from a picture book. (laughs) And, you know, that's an outside in thinking, you know, just that was amazing. So, you know. It's
0: true. It is very true. We don't only write these books for children, but the the individuals reading to the children and with the children are learning as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, There is another great question. Uh, Do any of you think of your stories in the middle of the night like a dream? It looks like everyone's (laughs) sleeping on this this, (laughs) this panel. They're all sleeping at night.
1: (laughs) Uh, no, I definitely, I definitely do. And something that I love is that my son wakes up and tells me his dreams. Oh. And sometimes I get ideas from his dreams <laughs> because mm-hmm. he doesn't remember telling me them later, but he'll wake up and tell me something that happened in the dream. So he's working things out. And then, you know, I definitely write down dreams that I remember. I have very vivid dreams. So I use them all the time. Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been lovely being able to chat with you, to learn about your process, to talk family and traditions. And we just want to thank you for spending time with the classrooms and students here who are writing and learning new strategies, and also to talk about the importance of traditions and family and how it can really help you to shine a light in yourself and to shine a light in others. Does anyone have any um, final thoughts as we wrap up our program today?
2: I just want to say namaste and bow my head to the goodness in all of you. Thank
0: you. Thank Thank you, you, Sue. Thank you, and Vanessa and Alima. And we will be sending out the replay to everyone who has signed up. And there will be links to all of the authors books and websites so that you can learn more and for Sue we'll try to link to the videos that you had mentioned so classrooms can take a look at those and we have teachers saying thank you thank you thank you this was great thank you for who made it possible um and so signing off everyone big waves from all over the country thank you
2: bye bye everyone
0: This episode resonated with you. Let's take it a step further. Head over to cardinalrulepress.com and check out our blog. It is filled with resources for anyone who loves books. Whether you are a publisher, a librarian, a bookseller, or an author, we help you to figure out ways to get visibility around those books. Thanks for listening to All the Right Marketing with Maria Desmondi. If there is a topic you would like us to explore and cover, please email podcast at cardinalrulepress.com. Head over to our website, cardinalrulepress.com, to sign up for our monthly newsletter where you can learn more tips on getting books visible into the market. Last but not least, follow us on Instagram for a daily dose of all things books. If you enjoyed this episode, rate and review or share with a friend or colleague. Thanks so much.